The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. It's Chris Towers Hour on Fantasy Football Today. Yesterday, we got Dan Schneier's favorite player for 2023 and a Super Bowl prediction. Today, we will get that from Chris. And welcome, and Heath is here too. Uh, welcome, Chris. <laughs> Hi. Welcome, Heath. I'm excited that Heath's here. We do. I think he got yeah. a haircut. He looks good. I got a haircut last week. Yeah. Why does it always take people several days to realize? I, I noticed, here? Heath. I just didn't want to say anything. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's start the show off the way we did yesterday with Chris gets to answer here. Heath, you'll sit it out until Friday. Uh, blank will win the Super Bowl because blank. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl because they have Patrick Mahomes. I, I think it's I, I don't want to overcomplicate things. And I think that's a, a pretty simple explanation. The Eagles are a very good team, I think. Like this whole idea that they haven't like that they've played this easy schedule, I think is unfair. They're a very good team and they earned the the number one seed. But like, I, I think the that you can make a fair case that they have not been tested. I think in the same way that the Chiefs have, and I just I have a little more faith in the guys who have done it before. Okay, does it bother you at all that he well, hasn't really been great in the Super Bowl? He hasn't really been Mahomes. Um, I don't know if that's true. I mean, he won one. Yeah, so that, he, that's pretty he good. He wasn't great in that game. It was fine. And then there he was, obviously st- he stunk against the Bucks, but, you know, he was under pressure all day. Yeah, I think the fact that he has a healthy offensive line, we don't know if, if he's, I mean, we know he's not 100%, but we don't know to what extent he's not 100%. So, you know, there are some questions. I, I think it's a very close matchup. I don't want to, you know, make the entire city of Philadelphia mad. Because that's kind of their standard baseline level uh, when it comes to sports. But yeah, I think the Chiefs are slightly better. All right. So that's Chris's prediction. I, as we know. I think Heath's prediction is going to be way different from that one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm just trying to. This whole Patrick Mahomes hasn't been good in the Super Bowl thing. Well, you can't. We'll you don't even have to look it up in the the Tampa Bay game. Like he, he was on his back the entire yards game. And three touchdowns against the number one pass defense in the NFL in twenty twenty. I don't understand what you're doing against the Niners. Three hundred fifteen total yards and three total touchdowns against the number one pass defense in the NFL. It wasn't. He wasn't that good. You know, he wasn't that good. Well, also but, there's a, there's a little there's some fudging going on in those numbers if you pay attention to the way he phrased it. Three hundred and fifty. 15 total yards and three total touchdowns against the number one pass defense. Those are, those are different. uh, Those are different denominators. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent, Chris. Thank you. That was really sneaky. Well, they were the number two defense in terms of total yards allowed. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that there, there was sneaky. 
Like, <laughs> if the Giants had ever had a quarterback as good as Patrick Mahomes, Adam would talk about him every single episode. I mean, they have Daniel Jones. What year was that? That was 2019? 20. Well, it was 2019 season, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, he, th- he, he threw for 26 of 42, 286 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, a 78.1 passer rating. I feel 100% confident in what I said about Patrick Mahomes' performance against the 49ers, and I remember it. I remember it during the game. He wasn't that great, and if uh, someone on the team, who was it? Someone dropped it. Oh, Emmanuel Sanders I mean, dropped a deep ball. Jaylen, they would have lost. If we take away Jalen Hurts' rushing stats, the Eagles aren't in the Super Bowl. So he why ran are we talking for 29 yards. He ran for touchdown. 29 yards. And yes, he, okay. Look, he threw two Patrick, interceptions. Patrick Mahomes is really good. My memory of that game is that he didn't have his best game exactly. ever. And exactly. also, the way you phrased that, Heath, was a little intellectually dishonest. Thank you. That's all. And he fumbled twice in that game, by the way. Uh, oh, d- Daniel Jones lover certainly hates fumbles. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Daniel Jones. Certainly hates fumbles. Okay, okay. I think uh, we can I'm all just agree. tired of your Eagles fandom. It's no, disgusting. I, what I was going to say. Your division rival is in the Super Bowl, <laughs> and you cannot stop talking about how much you love them. You told them the greatest team of all time if they win this game. <laughs> Did not say it's that. It's insane. Nope, didn't say that. But... I think I might be switching my pick to the Chiefs. More on that later in the week. Okay. You got the first word right. What? More? What? Oh, my God. Heath is salty. All right. Listen, you might know Ryan Wilson from the Pick 6 podcast or his appearances on this show. You might know Rick Spielman as the GM who drafted Justin Jefferson and Adrian Peterson and Dalvin Cook. And they are together on the... Not brand new anymore, but still new podcast that we have here called With the First Pick, an NFL draft uh, podcast that's just outstanding. Check it out, please. With the First Pick, deep dive into mock drafts, prospect profiles, stock watch, and more. Get acquainted with all those prospects and who your team's going to pick. It's called With the First Pick, anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, Chris, uh, who's your headliner? for the show today of Chris's favorite players. Also forgot to mention, we are going to talk uh, Super Bowl DFS today. We have Sia Najad coming on. He hosts the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. He's coming on in a little bit in about 25 minutes. So until then, uh, Chris, who's the headline? Are your favorite player for 2023? I, I like getting yelled at, so I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. And and th- the problem with this question, you, you phrased the question, who's your favorite player? And like, I'm on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. We're doing our position previews. And last night, we did second base. And then Frank Stamfel asked us, hey, who's your favorite player to draft at second base? And Scott White said, Jose Altuve, who's the number one player at second base. And like that was my, my kind of thought. I was like, who's my favorite player? Well, Justin Jefferson. Mm. Really like that guy. Yeah, but I, yeah. I understand what you meant. <laughs> right. It's the guy that I like more than most. And it's going to be Kyle Pitts. And... Uh, I'm going to get yelled at for having Kyle Pitts ahead of TJ Hawkinson in my rankings. I already know that. Um, But I just, I think about it this way. When it comes to the tight end position, there are, there's difference makers and then there's everyone else. And even the, the gaps between a good player like TJ Hawkinson and the guys who really don't help your team very much ends up being like three, two to three points per game. And so, like, TJ Hawkinson was very good for the Vikings last season, but outside of one or two spike games, it was mostly like, hey, he scored 11.4 points this week. That's great for my tight end. That's not what I want from my tight end position. I want 17 points per game. And Kyle Pitts is one of the few guys who I still do think has that potential. Now, as we saw this year, it's not likely that he gets there. And I'm not going to draft him in the second or third round like I was last year, but... I am still going to buy into the incredibly young guy with historic college and rookie season NFL production at a position where if I'm not getting a difference maker, nothing else matters. So that's my thought process with Kyle Pitts. Mm -hmm. And I'm just hoping that the situation in Atlanta is a little more conducive to him producing something. All right, before I get to Heath's response here, give me a approximate round where you would see yourself drafting Kyle Pitts? Well, I don't think I've actually taken him in any of the mock drafts that we've done so far. So I guess the answer will be wherever he went minus one. That's that's what I was going to say. Like, we don't have any idea. And I know, 
I'm glad we're talking about Chris's favorite players. And when we actually have cost, then we'll know who his favorite players are. But the answer to all these questions is one round before their ADP, right? Maybe two. Yeah, I mean, that that would probably be it. Look, I, I think if I end up drafting Kyle Pitts in the fourth round, it's probably not ideal. But given the way that I draft with you know your standard fantasy football lineup being relatively shallow, I'm always aiming for difference makers as at as many positions as I can, especially the one where there are a few difference makers. And so if what it costs is a fourth round pick to get Kyle Pitts on my team, I'm going to do that. Uh, okay. I think we can still give rounds. I mean, think of it as like, you know, you're sitting down to do a mock draft. You know, you could still give an approximate round. I think he'll be, you know, I'd probably look for him in the fifth round or something like that. But you're, Chris is saying maybe the fourth. Okay. Fair? Maybe. Yeah, I think he's I think he's probably going to have a seventh, sixth or seventh round ADP. Like, I think he's definitely going to go behind TJ Hawkinson and probably in the Goddard-Kittle range. And... Based on what we know of Goddard and Kittle, I think they're fantastic players. And in different situations, I I think they might be difference makers at the position. But it's easier for me to see a path to Kyle Pitts being in a more productive passing offense and still being a 25% target share guy with a downfield role. And I just – I don't think Kittle or Goddard have the same kind of upside. I don't think Hawkinson has the same kind of upside. Heath, do you think you'll be high or low on on Pitts compared to others? I know I'm higher than Dave and Jamie were, at least in the initial rankings. I think I'll probably be lower than what the... Because like when we're talking fourth and fifth round, I think that's probably more what's going to happen in FFPC drafts or maybe best ball drafts. I think when you look at CBS drafts, it's probably going to be closer to seventh or eighth round. Um, and I think Dave's ranking has him closer to seventh... Dave and Jamie's ranking has him closer to seventh or eighth round. So I would guess I'll be higher than them, but but comfortably in the middle on Pitts. Yeah, I, I think nobody really has concerns about Pitts. We just have concerns about Atlanta. And, you know, four years of Arthur Smith being an offensive coordinator or a head coach, his teams have been 31st, 30th, 19th, and 31st in pass attempts. So they usually... Uh, exceed that in terms of you know in terms of yards they're pretty good on a per attempt basis so that's the good thing but yeah, it's just not a lot of good offensive production 2020 wasn't bad they were they're really good they were fourth in scoring AJ Brown was a top 10 receiver per game he was number seven in PPR Corey Davis was number 24 per game in non PPR number 30 per game in full PPR John U. Smith was a top 12 tight end per game Ryan Tannehill was the number 11 quarterback per game that's really been the only year in four seasons uh, for Arthur Smith. Uh, as a head coach or coordinator where we've had, uh, you know, other than the running backs, you know, really good fantasy options. You know, we did have Russell Gage on like a thousand yard ish pace, especially when Calvin Ridley was out. Calvin Ridley obviously was hurt in 2021. Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards as a rookie tight end. So, you know, I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And that, and that's a big question, obviously, because, there's a huge difference between like the 27 pass attempts per game that they were at last season and where most NFL teams are. Um, But, you know, they were at least willing to throw the ball 30 ish times with Desmond Ritter. So if he's the quarterback next season and he takes a small step forward, I could see them being one of the least pass happy teams in the NFL, as opposed to a historically, run heavy team relative to the league average all right let's do some news and notes here we'll go quickly on these so we have enough time for chris's other favorites including Brees hall and jalen waddle so more on those got more i said it again uh we'll talk more about those guys later but for now here's here are your news and notes Derek carr is going to meet with the new orleans saints today February 15th is a big day for him. That's when $40 million of Derek Carr's salary becomes guaranteed. So he will not be on the Raiders at that point. Uh, I was actually surprised. The Saints were fifth in passing yards per attempt. The top five last year were Miami, Kansas City, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and the New Orleans Saints. That was pretty interesting. All that crapping on Andy Dalton you did, and look what he did. Mm -hmm, I guess so. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going on a darkness retreat. It sounds really boring. It's going to be just himself in a dark room for what, four or five days or something like that. Can you imagine spending four days with Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I sounds awful. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know. I think he'd be pretty entertaining. But wow, a darkness retreat. Not, not for me. David Newton of ESPN thinks it's unlike who of the three of us would last the longest in a darkness retreat. Me. Oh, not there's. I would be last. No, I would be. I last. don't know who would be first, but like, yeah, that I, I. There are few things I can imagine doing that sound more horrifying than spending four days by myself. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, okay, David Newton of ESPN thinks that it's unlikely the Panthers will make a run at a high-priced veteran quarterback. Quarterback. Uh, he also adds that trading up into the top three in the NFL draft is a possibility. Tennessee Heath, uh, the Titans promoted pass game coordinator Tim Kelly to offensive coordinator. He does have three years uh, experience as an OC, and that was with uh, the Texans when Bill O'Brien was there. So I don't know. Uh, what does this mean to you with Tim Kelly, who was the pass game coordinator, being promoted to offensive coordinator? Yeah, I don't necessarily love it. Um, I don't think he's going to have much of a voice. I think this is going to be a Mike Vrabel and Derrick Henry operation. And um, like, I don't, when he was running an offense under Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien was basically running that offense. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a, a huge negative, but it's basically Derrick Henry or wait until the double digit rounds probably. Yeah. It's just interesting because the team, they, like they fired their, GM was it or pre- you know one of their president of football mm-hmm. operations whatever it was seemed like they want to make some changes because they haven't been satisfied with just being good to very good uh, and then they promote from within again so I don't know I mean we don't know if Tannehill is going to be back I just thought it was kind of interesting okay San Francisco hired Steve Wilkes as their defensive coordinator and Kadarius Tony says he will definitely play in the Super Bowl and I imagine he'll be in a lot of DFS lineups which we'll talk about later it is now time for some Chris fill in the blank answered by Heath. Uh, so wait, Chris created these? No, I did. They are about, about Chris, Chris, and you have to fill in. We did this with Dave and Dan yesterday. Okay. So hmm. here we go. Are you ready? I, Chris, okay. how do you feel about what we're getting ready to do? Um, I excited, okay. <laughs> nervous. Um, it's I don't I don't know what kind of questions these are going to be, so I'm, I'm interested Neither to do see. I. All right. Chris is best concert ever would be blank opening for blank and these could be any bands in the history of music um so i'm gonna get this one wrong but i'll make a good run at it um jeff tweedy opening for taylor swift yeah i mean my my initial thought was wilco opening for taylor swift you okay. know, maybe wilco playing with taylor swift i think would be would be pretty <laughs> cool so so you know, I, I i'm gonna go ahead and give myself a win yeah i think i think you, that's that's an a that's an a minus I was. I don't know who Jeff Tweedy is. Is he in Wilco? He's the lead singer of Wilco. Okay. I was going to say Wilco. I didn't think Taylor Swift would be on there. But okay. Uh, of all the teams that Chris roots for, blank is his favorite. Um, the Marlins. It's really the only team I actually actively root for. Oh. I'm a, I'm a masochist. What about FIU? Yeah, FIU also. But, like, again, masochism. <laughs> there. Okay. Uh, I did this one for with Dave and Dan, and Dave guessed one-sixth for Dan. So Chris can run blank of a mile without stopping. Is anyone chasing him? No. <laughs> <laughs> no? Um, one-eighth. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I can do more than that. You could if someone was chasing you, for sure. I think if someone was chasing you, you could probably run if, a couple miles. Out of spite... Like knowing that you picked one eight, I could definitely get to one seventh. All right, I think it's a pretty good guess. You're on fire. Uh, Chris's favorite burger temperature is blank. Am I phrasing that right? Like rare, medium rare? Yeah. yeah. Yes, but a burger is ground beef. Like we're not talking steak here. So I'm going to say medium. Medium rare. Yeah. Because like anytime, yeah. everything you order at a restaurant especially is always going to be one level more cooked than you order it. Okay, but if you could have it the the actual way you wanted it, what would it be? Medium rare. There we go. All right. It was pretty good here. Like to live dangerously. Three out of four. All right, that was fun. When we come back, more fun talking fantasy football. Chris will tell you why he's going to be higher on Brees Hall. I mean, everybody's just probably it's just about the ACL for him. Uh, we'll be right back on fantasy football today.
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. More of Chris's favorites for 2023. Okay, so Brees Hall, Chris, is he an easy first-round pick for you? That's obviously going to depend on the reports we get about his knee. If we get to training camp and it's like, well, he's hoping to be ready for week one, then things will start to get a little hairier, but... As of now, given the uncertainty around him and the uncertainty around a lot of players, yeah, I, I do project him to be right around a first-round pick. I think he was my number seven running back in our initial rankings. And for me, it's just he showed, one, the pass-catching chops, and two, the big playability. And those are the two things that you're looking for. He was a home run hitter, even in a bad offense, you know, a Jonathan Taylor type of talent, except was used more in the passing game. So I think there's legitimate number one overall upside with Brees Hall, even in a Jets offense that isn't great. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing to argue about here, Heath. It's just going to be how people feel about the uh, the injury. Yeah, the, argues, the argument's going to come in training camp when he doesn't mm-hmm. play at all in the preseason and he's kind of limited in practice, and then we have to decide how much do we care about this. If if he's a full go for the opening of training camp, if there's no limitations, then he's a first-round pick. Yep. This is a little bit difficult of a hypothetical here, but let's just say <laughs> he didn't get hurt. Um, I don't really know. Okay, he missed the last half of the season – because he like uh, let's say it was like a meniscus or something something that like yeah, was serious totally but not fine. long term yeah or or no just no injury at all right just he got married and he went on a three month honeymoon <sighs> went on a darkness retreat went on a darkness months. retreat uh, where would you rank Brees Hall top five yeah I, I think he'd be it'd be like him and Jonathan Taylor would be neck and neck I think but you would consider him as a possibility to be the number one player in fantasy? Like, do you think he has that upside? I think he does, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, like, th- especially the way he was trending, where he was seemingly hitting a 40-yard play or more every single week, like, that wouldn't have been sustainable, but that's the kind of upside you're looking for in a number one overall player. And it really gave me, you know, Jonathan Taylor vibes, yeah. where, you know, this really 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 great athlete with great production in college came out and looked the part and so i don't have really any questions about his ability to perform at the nfl level it's just when we get to training camp are the reports like what they were for jk dobbins at that point last year that that'll be a concern because you know if you were following the training camp reports none of it ever sounded super optimistic um for his chances and you know for what it's worth jk dobbins suffered his injury two months before Brees Hall did in the calendar. So that was a that was a big concern there. You know, if Brees Hall Brees Hall may not be ready for the start of the season. It's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh last thing here, Heath, it, do you expect first of all, two part question. Do you expect B. John Robinson right now to be the top pick in rookie drafts? One hundred percent. Would you trade Brees Hall for pick one oh one? I would not. 
You but it it's I think they'll be in the same tier. Um, and there is a landing spot possible. Like we, there was the and today they're saying that the Cowboys are going to restructure Zeke and franchise tag Tony Pollard. But there was discussion a couple weeks ago that they might just cut Zeke and let Pollard walk and draft B. John Robinson. If something like that happened, then I think Robinson's probably RB1 immediately. Okay. So, by the way, uh, just so everyone knows, it was a torn ACL and there was meniscus damage as mm-hmm. well. So let's keep that in mind. I'm sorry if you already said that. Uh, next player, how about Amonra St. Brown? Okay, this is a definitely a second-round pick for you, right, Chris? Yeah, and I, I think there, there's probably not that much lingering uh, uncertainty about him, but I do think there are people who still are skeptical of whether Amonra St. Brown is all that good. I, I think, personally, I think he's basically peak Keenan Allen, and we've seen Keenan Allen play with high target earners in, in Mike Williams before and still be a go-to, you know, PPR number one wide receiver. I think that's the case with Amon Ross St. Brown. And I'm not necessarily sure, you know, it's hard to say with Jamison Williams whether he's going to be a true number one wide receiver. I think he has that kind of upside. But it it's also possible that, like, next season he's more of the DJ Shark in this offense where it's like a 15 to 17% target share, a lot of big plays, but not necessarily – you know, a, a target hound, in which case I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is still going to be one of the target share leaders in the NFL. He just, this guy just gets open. You know, I, I don't think it was like at the end of last season or at the end of the 21, 21 season, there was a lot of, well, is he that good? Or was this just a, a looter and a riot situation? Well, the Lions were actually competitive this year and he had another fantastic season. His numbers, if you take out the the games where he left with injuries, it's like, 120 catch pace. I I, I think Amonra St. Brown is a legitimate number one wide receiver, regardless of format, but especially in PPR. Heath, you feel that way? Yeah, I think um, definitely a number one fantasy wide receiver. If I get him into round two, I'm not sure. He's definitely on the Azer stat all stars because mm-hmm. he had five catches for 22 yards week five and seven combined when he played 31 combined snaps. So Chris is right. If you remove yeah. those games, his numbers look much, much better. Now, I wonder, did you talk about the the peak Keenan Allen comp? I think that's a fair one. I'm not sure his quarterback's quite as good as Keenan Allen's was. And the one problem that Keenan Allen did have when it came to justifying a second-round pick has been getting into the end zone. Not, all, not always, but especially early in his career. And we see a, a sub-5% touchdown rate from St. Brown in both his first and his second seasons. So like, if there's something that's going to hold him back, it's that or the emergence of Jamison Williams. Because I do think that Jamison Williams' upside is higher than St. Brown's as a player. Yeah. I wonder why he slumped a little bit at the end. Five straight games with, uh, uh, you know, probably averaged around 13 PPR fantasy points. Well, he didn't score a touchdown in the last five games. Yeah, but he also didn't go over 76 yards. He had 68, 76, 76, 62, and 49 yards in the last five games. Just, I don't I, know, because kind of like a bad stretch that happens. I think when your slumps are 10-plus PPR points in every single game with, you know, 15-plus upside without scoring a touchdown, I, I think that's probably a number one wide receiver. Uh, yeah, in, P, in PPR, like, yeah. You don't have to azer stat this. To, to get him to a number one. He was number 11 in points per game last season. Number 10, if you take out Michael Thomas, only played three games. So, like, you really don't have to fudge no. the numbers at all. No, no I think you have to Azer set it to say he's a second-round pick. Sure, but I think in this case, yeah. the, it's worthwhile Yeah, taking out the two oh, games yeah. where he didn't play a, f- play a full snap share is pretty reasonable. I am pro-Azer stat. I've been pounding the table asking for the official... Azer stat uh, rankings right. from 2022. <laughs> all right, you'll get them. You God, will can get we put them. together like an Azer stat book in the offseason? That's what can I that said. Like it a should pros- be a project, a like a PDF. downloadable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also with St. Brown. So he played 16 games. There would be two that we would remove, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in 14 games, one, two, three, four, five, five games of 20 or more. Fantasy points. I mean, they five huge games, and then you got a thirty-nine point four in there. You got a twenty-seven point nine. You got a thirty-four point six. So he had some absolutely monster games, 
and uh, he was great. Uh, so okay, and he and he's been great since they changed coordinators a year and a half ago. I don't know if you said that. I'm sorry if you did. Um, I'm gonna skip Lamar Jackson for now because we've talked about him a lot. I think we'll have time for him, but just in case, let's go to Jalen Waddle and Chris. Sure. Jalen Waddle. If Tua Tagovailoa is fully healthy at the start of the year, why shouldn't I take Jalen Waddle also in the in the Monroe St. Brown range? Because he was here was his seven game pace in the twelve games that Tua started and finished. Uh, Seventy nine catches, one thousand five hundred fourteen yards, eleven touchdowns on only one hundred twenty five targets. But he led the NFL in yards per catch. So different type of player than St. Brown last year. But why shouldn't I take Jalen Waddle at the two three turn? Let's say. Well, and the thing I like about Jalen, look, he's not going to average 11.6 yards per target again. You know, that that's probably unreasonable to expect. But what I like about him is the same thing I liked about Stefan Diggs when he made the move from Minnesota to, to wash or to Buffalo is that this is a guy who has shown he can thrive filling multiple different roles in an offense. He filled that short area target got role as a rookie last season. He was primarily a downfield guy and he was excellent in both roles. So that to me suggests that this is a guy who's capable of being a true number one wide receiver who does it all. The thing that makes me like him more than even his very, very good final numbers is just Jalen Waddle really wasn't healthy for much of the season. He played through it. I don't think he missed a game. But you remember he had that like weird leg injury in the preseason that he, you know, was questionable to start the season. Then he I think he dealt with a groin in the season. He had a quad injury at some point. Maybe he just maybe that's just the kind of player he is. He's he's slight. Maybe he'll he'll just struggle to to be a hundred percent. But how productive he was despite having stretches where one, he didn't have a good quarterback, and two, he wasn't healthy himself. I think that suggests that. The production we saw last season, which was already number one wide receiver production, can get even better. You know, especially if they have to, you know, Terry Kill obviously hasn't shown any signs of, of aging yet, but he's at the point where it wouldn't be a shock if he took a small step back. And I think Waddle is perfectly capable of taking a big step forward and and, and filling in for whatever Miami might need from him. Is the only question around Jalen Waddle to a tongue of Iloa's health? Is that the only reason um, to doubt him? No, not maybe not doubt, but there's, I mean, cr- the fact that he's shown the ability to be so good in a high target role and he's shown the ability to be so wildly efficient in his first two years is awesome. It also makes him extremely difficult to project this year um, in terms of both target share and yards per catch, yards per target, all those things. So I think there's some question like, could he and we saw this with Debo Samuel last year, where he went from leading the league in yards per catch to just mm-hmm. being like twelve yards per catch. Yeah. So if that happens and he's at one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty targets, but he's at twelve yards per catch, then the production's not quite as inspiring. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, in that case, I I think the catch rate would go up. General, just based on the way he was used, I think it's going to be, you know, he's not going to average eighteen yards per catch again. He was he hit a lot of big plays in a way that even for a player with his skill set and and the Miami offense is not going to be sustainable but i just it's a bet on talent it's a bet on the system it's a bet on the fact that Miami is almost certainly going to remain one of the most concentrated passing offenses in the NFL if you look at the the offense that Mike McDaniel runs because they have the fullback on the field so much because they you know go with that 12 personnel they're really only running two wide receiver sets most of the time that means that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Water are going to get a ton of a huge target volume moving forward. And uh, yeah, I just even, you know, with the questions about Tua Tagovailoa, I would guess Miami's going to make a, a concerted effort to get another solid backup and hopefully one who can stay healthy themselves because obviously Teddy Bridgewater had trouble staying on the field. Would you rather have Waddle or Devontae Smith? That's an interesting one. I would think I would have Waddle ranked higher. They'll both be top 12, I would expect. All right. And then I'm going to give you 30 seconds because Sia Najad is standing by. 30 seconds to talk about Lamar Jackson, and I just have one question for you. We have talked about Lamar Jackson a lot in this sort of bounce-back role, um, and the case is very compelling. Heath has said it. When Lamar Jackson and, and um, Mark Andrews have both been healthy, you know, like, well, no, I, I'm confusing the two the two things. Anyway, Lamar Jackson on a per game basis. Oh, oh, I know what it is. 
if you remove the games where he's left very early with injury, he's been like a top five or six quarterback two straight seasons. So, and and yet people are down on him. So the question I have for you, Chris, about Lamar Jackson is, you know, if for the people who have who are annoyed by how boom or bust he is on a weekly basis, what do you say to that group? Uh, I, I, is he boomer bust on a he, weekly basis yes. or is it, is it really just like injuries and in surrounding cast? Because what we saw last season was when Rashad Bateman was healthy and Lamar Jackson was healthy, he was playing at an MVP level again. As soon as Rashad Bateman got hurt, that was when we saw Lamar Jackson stumble. It's, it's a, a question of whether the Ravens can put offensive weapons around him. And that's been the, the issue for them. But you know, when he's had Marquise Brown healthy, when he had Rashad Bateman healthy last season, he still played at that high level. So I think it's more a question, one, can he stay healthy? And two, do they actually make a concerted effort to give him the help that he needs? And maybe they won't. Maybe they think that not investing in the passing game is is the way forward. But I think, you know, with the changed offensive co- coordinator, assuming they bring Lamar Jackson back, although even leaving Baltimore, I don't think would be a terrible thing for his value because he'd probably go somewhere with better weapons. Um, I think it's, again, I'm looking for difference makers. At at every position, I'm looking for difference makers. You've only got eight lineup spots to fill. Every single one of them should be as as much of a difference maker as possible. At quarterback, that means someone who can average 25 to 30 points per game. We've seen Lamar Jackson do that when he's healthy. So I don't know. You live with the boom or bust, I guess, because the boom helps you win weeks. Boom. All right. Sia Najad helps you win as well. Sia, welcome to the show, man. What's going on? Thanks for having me, everybody. Uh, you know, it's a busy week for obvious reasons. I'm excited yeah. to see if the Chiefs can uh, can pull this off. I was on the Cincinnati side last week, and so I, I faded Mahomes, and I'm thinking I'm probably fading Mahomes again this week, and it's probably just going to come back to bite me like it always does when you <laughs> fade a quarterback like that. <laughs> Well, Sia Najad is the host of the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast, and you do hear some episodes that drop in our feed. Please check them out. Um, I learned a lot from just listening uh, two weeks ago, I think, when you said that you spoke to Frank Stamfel, who hosts our baseball pod, Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and he said that he did great. He had his best DFS year ever because he was listening to you and Mike McClure, and that uh, part of the reason why, and maybe you can just talk about this real quick, is uh, balancing cash games and tournaments, tournaments, uh, you know, don't be afraid to play some cash games, right? It's critical. I mean, the, the reality is everybody sees the the number one prize when they're scanning the tournaments on FanDuel and DraftKings, and you see like somebody can win a million dollars or $200,000 or 50000 or 10000 Well, that's great, but it's just such a small percentage of people that get to enjoy a, a top, like a win or even a top 10. So what you need to do to balance your bankroll is get into these double ups where about 46 percent of the people are are doubling up their money. So, you know, you can can do head to head. You can do double up. A double up is the way to go where you get a thousand, two thousand people in the tournament and half of those are going to double their money. So it's it's nice to get the big win. It's just not super realistic to do that on a regular basis, no matter how good you are. So getting in those, quote, cash games, those double ups, that's how you maintain your bankroll. You have to do it. It's it's not so you can't compromise on that unless you're a professional DFS player. Most of us are not. OK, so let's let me get everyone's take on this. Let's start with Heath and Chris, then see you. How do you go about picking your DFS lineups, previewing this game, handicapping this game when we do not know? how healthy either starting quarterback is. It is a pretty unique situation just days away from Super Bowl Sunday. Heath. Yeah, I mean, as far as Mahomes goes, I just think like we just saw what he did against Cincinnati on one week's rest off this injury. Now he's had two weeks off. I'm presuming him to be healthy. I'm most Jalen Hurts, the injury has been even longer into his recovery than it has been for Mahomes. I'm mostly presuming him to be healthy. We don't know how healthy the Chiefs wide receivers are. Um, that I'm more concerned about them than I am either of the quarterbacks. Chris. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. I, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is 100% healthy, but you know the, the old saying is nobody's healthy in the NFL once the games start, and I think that's probably the case here. He's, he's going to be somewhere less than 100%, but it affected him a little bit last week, I think, or two weeks ago. It'll affect him a little bit less this week. Go ahead, see ya. Yeah, I, I think the guide here is probably the sports books. I mean, you know, the the number, the total has gone up from I believe forty nine and a half to fifty one at this point. 
and we see Patrick Mahomes passing yard total. It's an insane 294 and a half. And granted, it's it's insane in the sense that he's going to get up against that Eagles secondary, which we know, and the d- defense in general, which is super formidable. So if this if this Patrick Mahomes number kind of plummeted a little bit, then I'd maybe have some questions. Maybe he's not looking so good in practice. But if the sports books are going to hang a big number like this, I think they're planning on Mahomes being healthy and Jalen Hurts for that matter. Sia, who do you think the most important player to have in your DFS lineup is for this game? I think it's Jalen Hurts. And it's for the obvious reason that, you know, he has the passing equity, certainly has the weapons in the passing game, but he has the rushing equity too. So, I mean, I think I think you can do showdown lineups that get Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes in your lineup. And I think it kind of goes, you kind of have to go with game script. What do you, how do you think this game is going to turn out? But I just love how we know Jalen Hurts Mahomes probably isn't scoring a rushing touchdown. You can't say that about Jalen Hurts. Mahomes probably isn't rushing for more than 20 yards. You can't say that about Jalen Hurts. So he, he's got it through the air. He's got it through his legs. I, I like Jalen Hurts in the captain spot or at least at the very least in your lineup. What do you guys think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, you look at the anytime touchdown score uh, props and that's for rushing or receiving, not not passing. And it's basically Hurts and, and Kelsey are both like, when I was looking yesterday, it was like minus 115 for Kelsey, minus 112 for Hertz or something like that. So, you know, the the bookmakers obviously think that there's a very good chance for for Hertz to get in the end zone. I think given the way Kelsey has played in the postseason, I think it's five or six straight games with a touchdown, a touchdown. And like it's something like 11 of his last 13 playoff games or something ridiculous like that. Uh, I, I think Kelsey's super important as well. If you're if you're going to pay up for any position player. Heath? Yeah, I'll go with um, a little bit different because I do think that the difference between Hertz and Mahomes, you might guess right on Hertz and have a, a point edge on the people who guessed right on Mahomes. And I like Dallas Goddard quite a bit as well at tight end this week, to, and especially for the cost difference between him and Kelsey. Um, but I think it, it's guessing right or picking right on A.J. Brown versus Devontae Smith because the difference between the best Eagles wide receiver and probably any wide receiver on the Chiefs could give you a really big edge there as, at number one wide receiver. All right, I want to talk about the wide receivers here. Uh, it's a good, good topic. I want to give you guys some stats and tell me what you think. First of all, uh, I did read a very interesting article on sharpfootballanalysis.com last night uh, from Curtis Hirsch. He wrote this, uh, yeah, yesterday. Um, Jalen Hurts definitely has been compromised by the arm. I, I, that's my takeaway. And he notes that uh, in the past three games, so that's since he, returning from injury, both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have accumulated more than 80% of their receiving yardage on passes thrown to the left side of the field. He's just Jalen Hurts is just not throwing the ball to the right side of the field. I, I did not notice that. Maybe that it's a Kirk Cousins tribute. Um, is that what Cousins does? He's a, right, that's that's the meme, right? Kirk Cousins doesn't throw to the right side of the field. No, oh, I don't know he does on fourth down uh, to TJ Hawkinson. But um, yeah, so, uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. But if you want, ju- I, I picked a kind of a turning point in the season. You know, obviously it's arbitrary, but since week ten, it's it's a decent amount of time. A.J. Brown has 90 targets. Devontae Smith has 96 targets. The receiving numbers are pretty damn similar. Smith has 11 more catches, one more touchdown. The yards are pretty even, but Smith with six more targets. Since week 10, Devontae Smith has 10 targets on red zone plays. A.J. Brown has five. Dallas Goddard has six. Um, Since week 10, the targets inside the 10-yard line are are pretty even. A.J. Brown still leads with seven end zone targets, but Devontae Smith has five. Dallas Goddard has two, all since week 10. It is pretty even, and I just wonder, Sia, doesn't that just make more sense to play Devontae Smith since he's cheaper? Yes. I mean, I I put out a prop on Sportsline, actually, last week, seven days ago, uh, taking Devontae Smith's over of 62.5 receiving yards. And by the way, it's 61.5 in some places. So I I, I got the worst number there. But listen, he he has been a target monster. It's it's one and one receiver between him and A.J. Brown. Now, granted, there's some circumstantial stuff happening here, whether it's, you know, throwing to the left or with respect to A.J. Brown. Now, now A.J. Brown has been nursing a soft tissue injury. We don't really know how severe it's been over the last – four or five weeks. And also Jalen Hurts from a sample size standpoint over the last couple of games, we really don't know how much he was going to throw. I mean, th- those games weren't competitive in the second half. So it's something to consider. Maybe Jalen Hurts is a little bit more healthy than 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 what we're seeing in, in the box score. But with that said, I like Devontae Smith. I like his price. I like his boom potential. I like his targets and I like his yardage. I'm going to ask Sia just a couple more questions here. And then Chris and I, and I don't know if Heath has one, but we'll give some lineups. I don't actually, I don't know if Chris has one. 
You line up? I, got, I threw, I threw one together. One. I, I okay. can't say it's the best lineup ever. I'm not going to have to give be. a lineup, though, because I, I'm going to... You got to listen to the DFS podcast for that. Um, but uh, should you... A, should you spend all your money? And B, should you have kickers and DSTs? Is that for me? Yes. I mean, yes, for you. Yeah. I don't think you should spend all your money. I mean, I think you can get unique and spend most of your money, but most of the time in showdown, uh, you, you don't really need to spend all your money. As far as kickers and DSTs, listen, it, it goes with whatever game. If you think this is going to be a low-scoring game where, where the red zone defenses are going to be really efficient, then maybe you want to throw Harrison Bucker or Elliott in there. I'm probably not going to be doing much of that, but if you're building multiple lineups, if you're building five lineups, one should be that game script where it perhaps is low-scoring. So you get the quarterbacks in there, but the quarterbacks aren't necessarily cashing in, or you get the running back, you know, jam in a running back too, but then you jam in a kicker or two or a kicker in a defense. So if you think the game's going going to be 20 to 17 low scoring then you know that that would be the avenue to maybe incorporate some of that all right chris dazzle me with a dfs lineup oh gosh i don't know if i can dazzle you the one the one thing i will point out is the under has hit disproportionately this season 56.1 percent of games have gone under um even the games I, I was looking it up yesterday. Even the games that have gone into overtime have hit the under fifty three percent of the time this season, which is really weird. That's not yeah. what you would expect. Um, and four straight Super Bowls have gone under. So, you know, I, I think the the odds, the trends suggest that you know that fifty one point line is you know maybe a, a tad too high. But I do think there will be plenty of scoring. I'm not going to go with a DST in my lineup. I'm going with Travis Kelsey in the MVP spot. Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Hurts, and I'll just nod to a, a bold prediction I saw Heath make and, and throw Clyde Edwards Elaire in there. It sounds like he may be active for this one. Uh you know, we'll we'll see if he gets on the field, but that's that's what I had to do to make it fit. Okay. No, uh, I I think um I've actually got in my on my DraftKings lineup Clyde in the captain spot. He's just fifteen hundred. We have seen Andy Reid pull shenanigans? Chicanery? Chicanery with his running backs in the playoffs before. I mean, last week. Um, And and so I would not be surprised. There was talk about how Miko Hardman not being able to go in this game had an impact on Clyde being in the game. And they do some similar things, especially in the red zone. Um, they've kind of, they both kind of had a turn this year as the month-long Andy Reid red zone specialist. <laughs> and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Clyde gets into the end zone at all. Um, you want my DraftKings or my FanDuel lineup? Uh, FanDuel. Okay. FanDuel, I've got Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Jake Elliott, Devontae Smith, and Kenneth Gainwell. I think if the Eagles are playing from behind, we may see more Gainwell than Miles Sanders. Mm, okay. Yeah. You know, if you just, just for every, I'm sure you're aware of this, but for those of you who are not, if you're just looking at the raw numbers and seeing all the Gainwell carries in the last two games, uh, most of them in both cases were garbage time. So he has not supplanted Miles Sanders as the lead running back, but he's Although theory, in fairness, yeah, pretty much every carry was in garbage time the last two weeks for the Eagles. <laughs> Um, but yes, but like I think he had nine carries in the last drive or something, or two in the second to last drive against the 49ers, Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah. I'm going like to go that. ahead and give you my DraftKings lineup because I like it too. Go ahead. <laughs> Clyde is the captain. Then you've got Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Kadarius Toney. Yeah, it's star-studded. I, I mean, like the last time Clyde Edwards-Zelaire was healthy— he had almost zero role, and Isaiah Pacheco was he just he got benched for Pacheco. Yeah. So I know you're just taking a shot, which is fun, but well, no, I but don't this really think it's going to happen. An, I mean, over the last two and a half years, basically since Kareem Hunt's been gone, this type of thing has happened repeatedly with the Chiefs running. I, I mean, I think you can say it happened last week with Isaiah Pacheco suddenly playing a, a season high in snaps. Even with Jarek McKinnon healthy, and and, and so being, after that they're going to go back to Ceh. <laughs> well, do you remember what happened that right before Ceh got benched? It was the game he had twenty two touches and scored two touchdowns, and then all of a sudden he just playing time just disappeared. But, I mean, Pacheco's been good. I just think. Uh, all right, see ya. What do you think? Uh, what, what do you I, so? Uh, first of all, I love building the hero lineup with Ceh and the captain. Am I going to do it? No, but but I, I love the <laughs> idea there because you can jam everybody in. I think Pacheco has a big game. I, I don't think he's supplanted Jarek McKinnon. I think Jarek McKinnon's going to have a role, especially if these receivers remain banged up. 
But Pacheco caught five. He, he wasn't just good last week. He was really efficient as yeah. well. He caught five or six balls, had a handful of yards on each one. I just think that they're leaning on him more than any of us really ever thought. So I think Pacheco in some lineups, maybe even sneak him into the captain spot here or there. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I've often said the Eagles don't have a weakness, but I don't think that's accurate. I think if they ha- if they have a weakness, it's their run defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how much the Chiefs are going to try to attack it, but even if it's, you know, 18 carries or something like that, then, uh, you know, total, not just for Pacheco or whoever, Clyde. But, yeah, I think they could have some success there. All right, my lineup, I have a FanDuel uh, Chiefs stack. I have a DraftKings Eagles stack. In both of them, I have Kelsey and Goddard. I'll give my DraftKings Eagle stack, but I am more like Hertz just hasn't really played that well. His stats since coming back are so much worse. His yards per carry, his yards per attempt, way, way down. So I think I said earlier I'm change I might change my pick. If it do, it's because I have I believe Mahomes is healthier than Hertz. But um my DraftKings lineup is Hertz, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Travis Kelsey, Harrison Butker, Eagles DST. Um okay. That would be, if that lineup cashes, then the Eagles won the Super Bowl. So, Sia, you can tell us a lot more on the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast. When can we expect that? Yeah, 5 o'clock. It's me and Mike McClure, who most of you are very familiar with from Sportsline. We record every Tuesday and Thursday at 5 o'clock. So we actually just wrapped uh, yesterday's show. We actually had prop stars on there. And speaking of prop stars, it was a prop show, essentially. But this Thursday, we're going to be really deep diving into showdown, both the players we like and the theory behind the Bills, because I think game script and all of you alluded to this, especially Heath, when he talked about um, Kenny Gainwell in perhaps a negative game script. You really want to make sure that your lineup makes sense in that in that it follows a particular game script. You might be wrong on the game script, and that means you're going to be wrong on the lineup. But you got to pick something that makes sense where all six players are getting the ball you, you anticipate because of the outcome you anticipate. All right. So check that out. That's five o'clock. On Wednesday night, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. And if you missed that, you can just subscribe to the podcast, Fantasy Football Today DFS. I want to thank Chris. I want to thank Heath. I want to thank Sia, our producer, Thomas Schaefer. We have got uh, a free agency preview tomorrow and some player props to talk about. On Friday, we'll just break down the game and talk football and talk food and all that fun stuff that comes with the Super Bowl. Uh, until then, I'm Adam Azer. Have a great day, everybody. See you later. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.